Welcome to the Joy Podcast, where I talk to interesting, remarkable people about the things that truly matter. Empathy, kindness, compassion, altruism, the things that feed the heart, the soul, and the spirit. My name is Chude Jidongo. My guest today is Hawa Ojefo, who is founder of She Writes Woman which is a non-governmental organization that works to help people especially young women who deal with mental and emotional health issues she was a recipient of the queen's young leaders award in 2017 2017 18 oh it's for 18 yeah. right i mean your work fascinates me i mean so you know you look at the world and you think to yourself what am I going to do? And I'm like, oh, I'm going to do mental health. You know? Um, why? Okay, so first, I didn't think I was going to do mental health. Right. You know, I mean, when people look around society, like, oh, let me do something. Oh, let me go to orphanages. Let me go to hospitals. Yes. Or, you know, let me go to underprivileged communities. Yes. Maybe go teach or something. Yes. You know, that's like, those are the first things that are staring you in the face. You know? But mine was... Circumstance thing, right? You know, it was the result of circumstance, it was my own personal story giving birth to that. Because I feel like with mental health in Nigeria, it's like you don't just wake up. Maybe we're getting to a point where people are looking at the work of some of us that have been doing it for a while and they're like, Yeah, so it's now staring them in the face. But prior to that, it was something needed to push you there. Maybe you know somebody who knows somebody, or maybe you've seen it firsthand or experienced it firsthand, and that's exactly what happened and it was a case of I don't think I can keep quiet you know and it was also a very rough patch for me before then because I was always thinking about purpose you know what is my purpose what legacy am I going to leave you know I'm trying to legacy at 28 you see that 25 what are you doing with what are you doing with purpose? You see, I even thought that it was because when you're talking about purpose, okay, maybe someone is doing it. No, it's just right. I don't know. I feel like, and I keep telling people this, even when I was in investment banking, mm. I, I just used to say, you know, I, I don't know. I feel like my greatest fear at that time was to just leave, pay the bills, drive a nice car, mm. earn a good salary, mm. take care of my family, mm. and die. And mm. for some people, it's like, so but that's the dream, like. And for me, I'm like, that's my greatest I fear. swear, I was reading an interview with a big man who has passed on. And he's like, his friend was saying, when we were young, he used to ask him what were his two visions. And he would say, to be very, very rich. <laughs> I thought, that's your vision for your life? Your entire life? Wow. I swear, yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah. I feel you. So, I was really scared. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. You don't want to end up like that. Like, if it seems so ordinary. So ordinary. Like, so that's it. So that's just it. Like, that would be all of my life. And yes. people usually talk, you are young, you come, you have your whole life. I guess I've never really felt young. You know, my mom said, this one is old spirit, you know, you know, it's an old woman. So, I started thinking about purpose very early. Mm. You know, legacy very early. Mm. And I feel like very, very, very young life. But still, <laughs> you know, I was still like, mm-mm. I need to start writing it right now, you know, and then that happened, you know, my mental health had a mental breakdown. Yes. Things started happening very quickly, you know, it's like my world was literally crumbling. What happened? What triggered that? How old were you? Um, how old was I? I was, I started three years ago. Mm-hmm. I was 22. Wow. 
Um, what but you know, the funny thing is, when you really think about, you know, mental breakdowns and all of that, when you think about the moments mm-hmm. it happened, mm-hmm. you realize that there were moments preceding that time that mm-hmm. perhaps just little things you, you, you needed to see or hear something or mm-hmm. some things okay. needed to happen, you know, or there were signs. It's like it was telling you it's coming, it's you coming. know, but maybe you were caught up with school or work or somebody said, hey, just fast some more or pray at night or go I yes, don't know. just dismissed it and then you it's almost like it. if you were if it was a physical illness mm-hmm. you would have started treating it immediately you know you know how you start having just headache and then you say ah malaria is coming yes you know yes. it's like it was coming but then you don't have the emotional or the environmental support to nudge you like okay so something is happening to your mental health so you need to and i didn't have that so when i really sit down and I think back to how it started, mm. I think as far back as secondary school. Wow. Yeah. I think as far back as secondary school. And even just yesterday, as I was driving home, I... Far back as secondary I'm school? I'm telling you. You went to high school, that's high school for people who are abroad. Yeah. And you did that in Nigeria. Yeah, right? yeah, in Nigeria. Yeah. And I remembered a time in my junior secondary about JS2 mm-hmm. that I, I, I used to have this thing where I used to lose breath. Mm. I'm just saying it's how I saw it then. Mm. I would just lose my breath, you know, and I'm like, well, what's what happening? Like, this? And, and you know, do, do, I, I, you know, then it was a lot of people knew a lot of people had asthma because this was a boarding school, you know, and it was a public school, Queen's College. It was like so many people, and some people would say, oh, maybe it's just the environment, or they'd say like, um, you know, you'll be fine. Maybe it's asthma. You asthma, and it was very common, and. Looking back, I realized that maybe, just maybe, I was having some sort of anxiety attacks at that time. Mm-hmm. But I just didn't know, you know? And because I've always been termed as someone who's strong, mm-hmm. very strong, like... You look like the kind of person like, <laughs> who, who will be coming to with your problems. Yes! People, oh, I never go to people with my problems, it's yeah. me, I'm the yeah. receiver of problems. Yeah. Just bring it on me. Yeah. You know, even my dad would say, ah, this one, this I've strong always been one. independent, yeah. you know? I would go to school. I, I entered secondary school when I was eight plus. Right. You know, I was just gonna clock. I was just. Cl- I think I just clocked nine. Right. When I entered secondary school, and right. it's like this one will go to school and she won't look back. Like you see people that they can't leave their parents in school, they'll be crying for the entire body. For me, I'm like bye, and I go in. I won't. When I mean, you see me, you see me, you know. And it's like ah, this one. So I've always been that person that even my elder ones would come to me to seek counsel, you know, and things like that. So it was always. I'm good, you know, things are going yeah, well. Yeah. And then I saw that in secondary school. Right. And then in uni, uni wasn't even so bad. I think uni was just uni life. I think some of my most playful memories are in uni, funny enough, but then I had other issues. So mm. it was things that had to do with interpersonal relationships, right. especially with the opposite sex. Right. I had a couple of issues there that surrounded my time in university, which I, I feel, not I feel, I think I know for sure, you know, beats at my self-esteem mm. and self-confidence, you know, my worth as an individual. It was per- perhaps too early to form those kinds of beliefs, mm. you know, about yourself. So I think it's also begun to have ripple effects in, you know, the events that happened afterwards. Mm. In, during my master's year, because I did my master's before I came back to do my NYSC mm. and all of that. During my master's year, that was when my depression really came in. It was, it was in Nigeria as well. In England. In England, right. So, I mean, but then again... Cheeky question, did it start during the cold? 
Did he I'm just checking. It's not. I love it. I just think like. So you. No joking. When I was doing my German master classes, so some people, someone said to me, you have to wait until it's winter, and I want to see how joyful you will stay, Judy. But then it was. Yeah, again, you know, you know how they always say like the the cold months are, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the but actually, it's not a, it's not a joking matter. It is, it is. One of my board members is a psych, psychologist in Zimbabwe, mm-hmm. and every December he can't leave Zimbabwe because that's when suicide rates go up. Yeah, you know they say you know, and people tie it to Christmas. Yes, but then it's not necessarily about, I don't think Christmas. It's about Christmas. It's a season. It's something. Yes, you know, it's a season. It's a season. season. People are right. married. People are yes. Yes. But anyway, I interrupted your story. You were talking mm. yes. So yeah, so that was where my depression really came in. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was really terrible for me. I started losing my hair. You know. Wow. Yeah, it, it got really bad. I started grinding, like the anxiety as well. I would apparently, and you know, I'll wake up in the morning and I'll have like these jaw pains. And I'm like, what's happening? So this like, was happening physically. This was happening physically. You know, but then again, you don't have, like I said, enough information or enough awareness for you to say, oh, you talk to somebody, I'm having this, and I'm like, oh, this could be. You know, this is a possibility. Mm. You know, you don't have that. And so you couldn't even. So you feel like you're running. You feel like you're going out of your mind. I'm telling you, That's like no joke. I just write in the. I mean, I wake up in the morning. I see my hair on my pillow. Yeah. Like, oh my god, what is like? It was such a stressful moment or stressful period. The thing is, when you think about stress in Nigeria, for example, people think it when you say stress that that means you've worked physically a lot. So you're tired. Impressive. So you're really, really tired. That's what stress means. But people don't understand that you can literally not be as physically active, but stress is a psychological symptom. Mm-hmm. You know, so when you think about stress, they think it's mm-hmm. oh, you're not really running up and down and you don't really and they don't realize that stress is a biological thing. You know. So for me it was such a stressful period for me. Like I was losing my hair. You know, my, I, I didn't understand. Like at a point, I couldn't eat properly because I eat. When I, when I eat, I like I can't chew well because my jaws were tired. And at a point, I'm like, I don't know what it is. I started reading painkillers, 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 painkillers. I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna go to the, you know, to the center and check this out. And I didn't see a doctor, and I don't know whether he was trying not to diagnose me. I don't know whether it was something that had to do with the fact that I'm an international student, maybe they didn't want me to incur too much right. or get out of my insurance right. as a student, something, you know. He was trying, I could see that he was trying not to go too deep. It's like, okay, you know what? Is it possible for you to take a year of school? Like, ah, in my Nigerian <laughs> period. I think it was now out of it. So I don't even understand where we're coming from. I don't understand. Like, I don't know if I died that. Um, that Taking away a year of, say, show sick, Nick. You understand? It's not like you're dying. You don't think. I think I was coming from a different kind of area. I mean, 
I've always been top of my class, you know, in school. And I think maybe the Nigerian educational system did not do do me well at all. So you understand? And I got there and I am like, what is going on? I'm, and my course was pretty intense. The day we got in there was a day of orientation. It was on the Thursday, Friday, there was And by Monday, we had tests. We had started. We started with tests. And this was not all oh, test as you know, we just wanted to see where you are. No, it was like test was gonna count. You know, so they gave us the materials on that day of orientation, like you need to study over the weekend because you're gonna have your first test on Monday. So we just jumped right in. And my first class, I'm seeing people talking and they're asking questions. I'm barely trying to comprehend what you say. Like, what are you guys talking about? Which financial system is this? I mean, we were just not the definition of things. Really, they told us that in master's level they would teach us, and we get to master's level and already as that we know. So for me, it was like a big shocker for me, and I was coming as a high flyer from school. Oh, I graduated from my class, and then you get there and you're barely. So I guess and so you could see that this was possible. This thing the doctor yeah, was saying. Yeah, I could see that that was very possible. You know, if it is integrating into a new environment, I'm, I'm not. I think I do that pretty well. I go in and out of environments very, very easily. You know, but that it was hard for me to handle that. The mm. fact that I wasn't like, this is not looking good. And my parents have sent me with this much money to a very amazing school, hard like keep up. So I had the hair loss. I had the clenching of my teeth. Then I had, um, I would get out, I'll just get out of bed and then I'll just stop. And we lose like an hour or two. Just mm. get up and like, what happened? You know, and then I'm staying alone. So it was even scary for my family members who were not in um, England then. Then, but it was also scary for me. I tried to toughen up, but I knew it was really scary for me. Like anything could literally happen to me. And I'm not in Nigeria where your neighbor is even can even knock, yes. Your window to say, hey, I know, I know. Yeah, everybody just going their way. Yes. You know, so the UK is particularly so, bad with that. You know, I'm telling you, it's very bad. I mean, very bad. Like my mom was like, "What kind of environment is this when nobody checks on nobody anyone. checks on anyone?" Like, I mean, I, I tell a story. I need to tell this story. I, I used to be in the UK a month every four four months. I used to work from the UK, and then once. So I always say when the UK appointed its commissioner in charge of. It's a minister overseeing loneliness this year. Mm-hmm. I wasn't surprised because what happened was I was staying in my apartment and then once I was in the bathroom, I'd locked myself in for some reason. And this my neighbor passes in. I'm like, oh, sorry, sorry, please, can you open the door? So he so he pushes it, he tries to open it. After two minutes, he said, well, sorry, mate, I can't do anything. And he just goes to the kitchen and continues cooking. And I'm like, I need to speak Yoruba. I'm like, like, I can't imagine that in Nigeria, somebody is stuck in the and toilet. You understand. And somebody Everybody goes to the toilet. Everybody in the neighborhood will try you. to break that. And I used to think that it was an exaggeration. This was a culture shock for me. So this is a small thing. And you can imagine you facing this on an extended basis, 360. Yeah. It was, it was, yeah. Right. It really hit me. So for right. me, I think that was really where I saw like that was my first encounter with it you know so the doctor telling me can you take a year off you know school the doctor telling me you know is it possible is it just possible that you can stop reading for a while i was like you don't understand yeah. you always have tests you know my course is not like i see all the people in other you know schools and faculties you know they have and it's, 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 sometimes it's not so big period and then times it's big period i'm like oh it can't be like that my course because it's an 18 month course that has been shrunk to nine months so they need to go by, you know. So it's like, okay, all our friends, you get a lot of friends who can distract you. You go out, you hang out, and just to balance out your life, 
you know, so I'm like, okay, let me see about that. So that's what I had to work on, creating a support system. Mm. And then I had to try and let my dad know that that was the situation that I was in. And it got so bad, trust me, my dad is a disciplinarian, mm. he loves academics, you know, he's that kind of person. And, you know, wherever you go, he was with, you know, you understand, like... So there's expectation there's also. expectation, so it was really weighing on me. And then it got so bad that even my dad was like, it's okay if you have a pass. You still have a, a master's degree. For that to come out of my, my dad, that I, I remember a time when I was much younger, I had 99.7, and he asked me, what happened to the point three? I mean, even if you're top of the class, or you could have at least had 100%, mm-hmm. you know? And he was like, it's okay. Because he too, at that point, it was like, I beg, I rather you just come back alive, just come back alive than, you know, anything. So yeah, for me, that was, that should have been my warning sign or something there. But then once that phase was over, I thought, oh yeah, yeah, I tried. So life continued. And then about, oh, at the end, till end, the end of the year of my master's year, after I finished and I got back to Nigeria, something really terrible happened to me. So that's why I was such a really Right. Oh wow, I'm sorry about that. Yeah. And it was like, trigger all over again. I tried to suppress that. Yeah. Because of the nature but this just. Sexual abuse. You know, it's, it's a case of your word versus my word. Victim blaming. Yeah. Yeah. So I was really hush hush about it. I didn't tell my parents, I didn't tell my sister, I didn't tell anyone except a couple of friends for nearly two years. You know? Wow. Yeah, I did it until I. Just about the time I started to write one, <clears throat> the time when I was actually going into full blown, you know, suicidal, you know, um, that was when I realized that I needed to unbody myself, you know, to really bring out all these things that were weighing me down. Two years. So wait, so you had to do what? The first issue was anxiety. Yeah. So depression, yeah. anxiety. Depression, and anxiety. And then you kind of managed it. Mm. And then this trigger. What did this trigger? What 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 did this this abuse now trigger? So I mean, if they had told me alone, which is I assume what it is when we're telling people about PTSD, they're just looking at you like, oh, okay, okay, we get it, okay, okay, no problem, we'll look out for it or something, you know. Mm. If they had told me alone, like, okay, this is how it is, I said, okay, okay, that's fine. Yeah. But experiencing it was mm. it was a shock. It's almost like your mind partitions or something, you know? And then a part of you, I mean, there is intense shock in your mind and then it has to partition itself and cover it. I don't know how that, if that makes sense, but it's trying to protect you. So when it happened to me, I felt like, I don't think I've had a worse memory in my life. And it's because, I, I mean, and as, aside that, I had to see this person every day for like the next nine, ten months, you know. And I couldn't talk about it, I couldn't tell anyone, I couldn't report it, I couldn't... Why couldn't you do Report it. No, so I mean, for, because there are people who don't understand our context. Yeah, uh, where do I begin? Social stigma. Do you understand? Or you know, people are going to come at you. Where were you? Yes. Why? Why? Or what are you wearing? What were you wearing? What were you doing there? Yeah. So you it's, know? Just, it's just like so it's, it's, it's like, be like abuse on top of abuse. Exactly. And I remember a time when um, one of my friends wanted to take it up, and one of my other friends was like, "Just drop it. Just leave it. Just for leave her it. Peace because of mind. you're going to you're going to open her wounds, 
I trust me, it's gonna you're gonna relieve it every single because they're gonna make you recount the stories, they're gonna poke at the story, they're gonna tell you why, where, who, they're gonna tell you where were you, and you're gonna wonder like why crazy? does the location have to matter? I just told you I was sexually abused, and you think the location could have had something to do with maybe I put myself there or something, you know? I couldn't talk about it. So it was like, and I remember during that time, that was when I started having also. So I tried to tell people how, you know, you cannot this separate is, the mind and the body, you know, it's literally yeah, affected me. Yeah. Like I started having severe ulcer. Like my so like my stomach, I used to tell people like I'm decaying on the inside. And now I get it now that I've you know trained as a neurolinguistic programming practitioner. I get that, you know, I was literally decaying. The resentment, the hatred and all of that was literally affecting my system. So it's like Everything I, I became lactose intolerant. I was like so much was happening with me during that period, but still I couldn't say that oh, this is it, you know. So there was and I mean, but for the symptoms itself, you know, when you start out as it's it's crazy. You hear stories and I and I and I tell and I tell friends of mine that I'm gonna write about it someday. You hear stories about rape and. The ones that are easy to sympathize with are the ones that okay, you are walking by the bush, which by the way are almost non-existent these days. You know, you're walking at the bush and some people ambush you and that happens. So the worst kind is when you have a relationship with the person yes, it's really. in question. Yeah. So it's like your world is literally crashing, like you don't know. I said the worst part of it really is when your mind is trying to make you move on. And then it's it's like it's trying to tell you, oh, maybe the person didn't do it, or maybe you know, just go back to the person. So I remember a case that popped up on social media between my issue and when I was able to talk about it. And people came at this girl on yeah. social media. They yeah. found her yeah. on social media. Like, Why did they keep going back? They wanted it. I said, you guys have no idea. Nobody has told you that side. Of when you get sexually abused, especially if it has had a history, if you've been sexually abused before, or if you've had you've been in a situation where your self-esteem has been so beaten down, you will find yourself yes, going yes, back to your place. Yes, yes. Because a part of your mind is telling you that you in order it. for you to take it, yeah, maybe you have you to deserve yes. it. You have to own it. Just embrace don't understand it. how trauma works. That's the thing. As if they had explained it to me, I just wouldn't have understood. Uh, but experiencing, you have to experience it, it. I was like, oh my god. And when I got sense. out of it, it was like I felt so ashamed of myself. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, because I'm like, how did I go back? Back into that. Into it. That's 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 just the way the mind like, works. Wow, your mind, mind is literally trying mind, to make you survive. That it will help you tell, it will tell you that it's okay. It's, it's okay. okay. Just take it. trying to cope. Just to cope. Fascinating. I think our minds are fascinating. Fascinating. As in, I'm, I'm so intrigued. Now we have, we deceive ourselves by thinking we have more control. Yeah, you know, like it's a lie. Like, yeah, I'm like, like, yeah. So like, like, everyone used to say, yeah, you said that I can take any. <laughs> <laughs> Foolishness has passed. <laughs> You know, yeah, so for me, that right. really triggered a whole lot of things. Right. And it's amazing how that can create a ripple effect going forward as well. Mm. You know, you think at some point, oh, I think I, I think I've handled that. It happened in my past. Yeah, yeah. Because if you don't sort something out, you have not sorted out. Yes. You cannot, you cannot overcome an issue by ignoring it. Yeah. I keep telling people that. They're like, okay, maybe I should not distract myself. Mm. Maybe if I just assume it's not there, then maybe to go away. Your problem doesn't get solved. 
here. It stays. It will linger. And it will come in ways that you cannot resist. You're resisting it now because all, the, all it's asking of you is to talk. But you cannot resist it when it comes to the sickness in other or in this other way that you lose control. You know what it is to lose control of your mind, or you know when your mind is unworthy. You know you can't you can't trust the judgment. You can't trust your thoughts or your values. Or like something literally has to happen to you, and then you go and tell someone, "This is something that happened to me." Like, who do I? Am I still right by thinking that? Like, oh, you're not really saying right. Do you know what it is to rely on other people's thinking? In order for you to leave, I'm like, no, trust me, you don't want to go there. So don't ignore it. You know, so because that's what I found happening for me. Yeah. I suppressed it. I said, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm moving forward. Because I'll tell you if you pray about it. You know, uh, just try and distract yourself with other good things that are happening. But I think it's just, the bomb is really just ticking. You know, and everything just started to filter from like my subconscious to my conscious self. So with the sicknesses that were always coming, I found myself having panic attacks. I found myself, you know, all of a sudden I knew how to drive, but I couldn't drive anymore. You know, um, I mean, because the moment I saw a certain kind of car, it's like my mind just everything. I just lose my sense of environment. And you know how trauma, pretty much. You know how they say like I try to let go of the past, but the past doesn't want to let go of me. You know, so it's like the moment to see anything that pretty much just reminds you. It's like it just. It's like your mind has literally just recreated the environment again. So you, even if you try, you know, a lot of people have panic attacks. And, and imagine you're driving, and then you have it while you're driving. Yeah, so yes. for me, it was like, no go. All of a sudden, I couldn't drive again. Do anything that would trigger it. Exactly. So I would see a certain kind of car, I would smell a certain kind of thing. Somebody say a certain name, and I'm like, oh my god, that's it. You know, or loud sounds, or sudden sounds, and it was like. God, and they're like, why are you so scared? Yes. It's, like, it's like your own sense of the world has shattered. Yes. And they, they, you're not living in the same world with them. With other they people. Like, you're the all physically present, but no, we're not in the same place, really, you know. So I saw it, I saw it affecting, you know, the way I interacted with people, the kind of beliefs I had about life, you know, you know how, you know, for some people, you know how your beliefs pretty much kind of create your reality. But it's like with this one, I just couldn't get to a part where I would have a belief that changed my reality because I was really fueling my reality by the kind of beliefs that I had formed, you know, as a consequence of those scenarios that would happen. And it just kept going and filtering. And before I knew it, it was. Do you ever feel like you just want to kill yourself? I remember when I said that to someone, you know. Mm. You know when you, you're getting suicidal, sometimes it doesn't just come like, oh yeah, I want to give myself today. No. You know, it's over time. I found myself asking those questions because I felt like, are you sure? Like, you don't ever feel like you want to kill yourself? No? Well, okay. That's, that's fine. <laughs> I, I just wanted to be sure. Like, <laughs> just checking. I'm just checking. This is a normal thing. I love it. I, that's, what, that's where I was. Yes, it's like, absolutely. You ever feel like, you, you don't want to kill yourself, but you just want to. Just, don't yeah. die. And like, oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. okay don't worry. Don't, don't worry. I, I'm just joking. Oh, you know, but these were real, you know, I was battling these thoughts in my mind. Because I was like, and then I, I started trying to drive again. And, you know, I used to say when I'm driving, like, maybe I don't need to kill myself. If I just turn and this trailer hits me, it'll be an accident, you know? So nobody really has to feel any shame. Oh, how I killed itself, oh, suicide, and all of that. It could just be an accident, but at least I won't be here anymore. 
you know, so those were my kind of thoughts over time. And then you hold on to that for a while, and then it also gets worse. And then it's climbed up to. I'm seeing the exact picture of how I think I might want to die, you know. Mm. And then it's like. Mm. I mean, at this wow. point, I'd already started, you know. Reading a lot about mental health, the PTSD, anxiety, depression, and all. So I kind of had a bit of knowledge to to, to know, know what was that. This thing is getting to that point, you know. It, it was getting there, and one day I just got up and I checked. I checked social media. I saw somebody. I sent the person a DM. You know, the psychologist, you know, and the person directed me to um, Yaba Neuropsychiatric Hospital, and I just went there. You know, I. For me, it was damn the stigma. I don't even care right like, now. Like, you know, people are just weird. Like when I saw my, my therapist, my therapist was for depression. My therapist was working in Yaba. You know, she's like, oh, I don't think I'm coming to hospital. I'm like, why would I? I'm looking at you. Like, what are you talking about? If my leg was going to go to Ibobi. <laughs> like, what do you know? You know, oh, God. My I don't think it's a function of, I don't know. I, I don't sometimes know. I tell people, I say, to be in denial sometimes is a luxury. Because when you get to a certain point, yeah. you can't afford it. Yes, yes, it's too late. It's, it's way too late. It's you too know, late. you know it's that. It's too late. I, I, I don't trust myself anymore. Mm. And especially if you're armed with a bit of knowledge, you know, and maybe a bit of self-awareness, you know, just a little bit is enough. You you know, I didn't tell anyone. I still haven't told my family about any of these cases or anything, yeah. you know. So I just went by myself. I went, I just I went broke in the process of doing my own therapy and doing the therapy and everything. Mm-hmm. So I stopped for a bit and I'm like, okay, you know what? When I get more money, I'll come, come back. back. And it was in that space of time that I had a very massive relapse that um, I like, I think I'm going to kill myself. Right. You know? But luckily at that moment, I was able to like call my sister. I was the only one at home. Right. You know, I was able to call her and say, something is happening. Just need to be here now, and I found myself pacing for hours. I didn't know that hours had passed, but I was like, I, ju- I just want to end it. I just want to end it now. I just want to end it. And she's like, What do you want to end? For God's sake, like, talk to me. Say, use something. I'm like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I want to end it. I want. And she's like, What can't you do? What do you want to end? You know? And I'm like, Call any hospital. Mm-hmm. They should like come and chain me or whatever they need to do so that I don't hurt myself. You know? So that was the point that I got to. And that was pretty much what gave birth to she went to work today. Because I was like, I can't be the only one. I can only imagine people who didn't have my level of self-awareness, didn't have my level of knowledge or, or you know, mental health awareness, who, you know, didn't have who don't have who have family members or you know support. Imagine if it's a young person in Bill or Chiba. Or is it cool or something where nobody can you just imagine? Like, how do you want to explain this village in Cameroon or something like Kumasi? I'm saying, how do you want to even like you know, like it's you, you sometimes you be thankful for privilege because yeah, because when you really think about it, yes, that's it's what it is, yeah, because you, I mean, I know what you, I mean, okay, so oh my god, yes. <laughs> you know, this it was, it was. time is fly. I mean, I'm just I'm just enthralled because usually I'm talking in this podcast, like, I can't even talk. Wow. Yeah, it's it's been an amazing. So what was the so so what so what was the diagnosis in this case? Okay, so it was um, a double diagnosis of bipolar and post-traumatic stress disorder. So, so just in trying to cope in your mind, trying to I mean I don't I mean I don't know whether I'm qualified to even ask this question. But <laughs> was it about in your mind trying to cope with what had just happened with this? 
that it just, like you said, is played, then it just put, created a protective shield by creating something, a completely different experience that you could be safe in. That's what happened. I feel and like I'm asking. that's that could be an explanation. Right. You know, all these things in the mind are never really one thing. Yes, never really one thing. You know, you cannot isolate yes. and say that's why yes. just environment yes. alone yes. exists. Because yes. even in the environment, yes. there are other, other factors. factors just you know, because other people in the environment are escalating. Yes. So, how do you tell exactly what it was? What it was. You know, so, it's just, it's just a compare. I mean, so yes, so many sense. things. You know, you, mean, you talk to a doctor, say, oh, genetic predisposition and all of that. Mm. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So, when you were diagnosed with this, what, what did that, how did you take it? Contrary to a lot of people who yeah. say, "Oh my God, they were shattered," and all yeah, that, but were, people were like, oh, "At least somebody finally, can put a word." You know, I'm like, oh, "Oh my God!" You know, I thought I was gonna die. Like, thank you. So, Are you serious? This I is know it. that feeling. I mean, I know thank that feeling. You. When I was diagnosed with Tourette, hmm. I've been going to see doctors for six years. Hmm. I'm like, I have OCD. I have this. I have comorbidities. I'm explaining all these things to them. They're like, no, they don't link. It's all true. I'm like, what are you talking about? I mean, oh my God, I can kill all of them. And you know, I'm, I'm counting things in my head. I'm touching things in my left and my right. I'm twitching from my eyes. I have vocal tics. I have movement tics. All of these things are just marinating. And they, they, the doctors kept saying, no, they are separate things. And they kept giving me drugs. It's, it's, it's when I went to the doctor, they says, it's Tourette. Mm. I was now. I was so happy. I said, he said, "How can you?" Finally, I'm like, somebody finally figures out what's that. wrong with me, and I'm not crazy. I mean, you know, I'm not crazy. I know what's wrong with me. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm not. In, you know, it's like completely like, gets Finally, you. you have a, a, you know, it's a sense of closure for you. A sense of closure. At least you know, I know what like I'm now dealing. Now I know what it is that I'm dealing with you. Yes, and for me, it was like, okay, so now what? You know, so I didn't reject medication. I didn't reject well, any psychiatrist. And for me, it was like, bring oh, it on. thank God, just bring, just bring. Like <laughs> my my folks were, you know, amazed at my level. So when I when I tell people who are using medication, they're like, when is it going to end? And I'm like, forget about that. First. Take your medication. Just take your medication. I'll take it so religious. Mm-hmm. I feel like the more you can embrace it, the easier you can let yes, go of it. When you it's accept time. this. You know, this, 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 I feel like acceptance is almost counterintuitive for a lot of people, but I think that's what it is. Yeah. It is the Acceptance, your level of acceptance, I can pretty much release you from these things. Yes, you know, you need to embrace it and love yourself in the process. Absolutely. It's you what know. it's what um, um, Sheryl Sandberg says in Option B. Mm. I don't know if you've read Option B. I've read yeah. Yes, she, I'm sure you will. Um, and she's like, look, your option A is that I didn't have this disease. That's fine. Mm. Option B is that when I have the disease, like, what do I do with it? You have to move to option B mm-hmm. fast. You cannot Very stay. Quickly. Option A is stay. gone. It's not there anymore. Option so. A is gone. Oh, so yeah, yeah, I mean, for me, I accepted everything. I was so religious about my medication. I yeah. seven a.m. in the morning, yeah, like sharp, sharp, yeah. and then at night, yeah. not before I go to bed, yeah. every single yeah, day. Yeah, I'm it. You know, and you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't bug myself as to, oh, am I going to take it my whole life? I mean, those are thoughts that I had to think. Yeah, but then you, fine. yeah, like yeah, and look at me. I thought I was going to take it for at least, you know, everybody, everybody, professionals I saw told me at least two years you're going to take it, and in. Yeah, right. I stopped. Amazing. You know, and I've not had to go back to it in almost yeah. a year. Right. You know, so it's been. And that came because you accepted it. You were ready to go the wall. Do you understand? I'm ready to say, like, if I'm going to take my medication yes. till I die, no problem. Just it's keep, okay. Yeah. And if that's, that's the thing, it's like the fight. resistance yes. is what keeps it yeah. present. Yeah, you know when you're yeah, the, about dealing with trauma and it's the research talks about. I mean, the Buddhist. The Buddhist idea is non-attachment, mm. um, but people often confuse non-attachment with attachment. So I like this 
this, the, the positive psychology principle of acceptance. Mm-hmm. That whatever happens, accept it quickly. Accept yes. it. This is your reality. Don't fight it. Don't deny it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's powerful. I find it a very powerful cognitive yeah, yeah. It, it's almost like when you look at it on the surface, it's almost counter. Like, are you telling me like I say, so I should now accept that I am bipolar? And as a, is no, I won't accept it because so that it will not be there. Yes. And I'm like, mm. I reject it. Let's, let's see how that works. Yeah. You know, because yeah. that's not how it should be. Yeah. You know, but let's see how that works. Yeah. So honestly, acceptance for me, I think, has been my most powerful, powerful tool. Powerful tool. I yeah. teach it a lot. So acceptance is such a powerful tool. Absolutely. You know. In terms of, I mean, in terms of just, I mean, there's so much research around acceptance. It's incredible how much we spend, how much time we often spend denying reality. Yeah, and that's why. So last year, about October, I released a a, a free ebook, mm-hmm. just a really short thing about how to overcome depression. Just some nine principles right. to you know to deploy right. when you're in your okay, journey. Right. You know, and I think the first thing was acceptance mm-hmm. you know it wasn't i said it's not about it's not it's beyond acknowledgement mm-hmm. it's like a step beyond acknowledgement. yes yes it's, it's okay em- sometimes you acknowledge something but you really don't accept it you know you you are you're forcing you're resisting it you know and people ask me like but people call the helpline like i, I, I want to talk to i want to talk to her like mm-hmm. i want to know how have you done it i mean how did you i mean you're living such a productive life you're doing this you're doing that and all of that i'm like you know one year i did have my challenges and i still do have challenges so let's not think that i'm more superhero in it and number two i see honestly the most powerful tool for me was acceptance i embraced my pain like it took a while but i did it mm-hmm. i embraced it through and through like you cannot, I mean, at the point, even, I'm also, I, I got so worried that maybe I embraced the pain just a little too much that it became my identity, mm. you know. So it's like, you know, creating an identity out of your pain rather than of overcoming the pain, right. you know. So this you think so. Okay, now I feel like I've had a shift. Right. You know, I have to real like, okay, you know what, what exactly am I creating an identity out of this? Out? Excellent. You know, so yeah. Amazing. So, so all of this made you start right? I mean, now our time is gone. Like I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just listening to you. And 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 and, and, and would you say? It, I mean, how has this work been for you? Helping? I mean, you focus on women. Yeah, yeah my focus is on women. But of course, it's it's inclusive of everyone. Yeah, how has this been? This is two years now. Yeah, almost two years. Now. Yeah. How has it been? And you know, I, I'm like, I hate you. I mean, like first of all. <laughs> You carry pain, you convert it into purpose. That sounds like a cliche, but that's what it is. That's what it is. And then, you know, the world begins to pay attention for right from the start, you know. So how has it been in these two years? It's been awesome. Mm. Like, I wouldn't change anything. I wouldn't change it. Like, not even, like, when I even think about it, I, by extension, when I think about my life, I realize Absolutely. Like it all worked out. Absolutely. So when I tell people something, it may not seem like it now. Yes. But I promise you, yes. if you just hold if you on, hold on, it will come if you together. Hold on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I wouldn't change. Like sometimes they're like, you don't feel like you know maybe being sexually abused and all. I said yes, it messed with me. I mean, so today maybe I'm still trying to reorient some of my beliefs about mm. maybe marriage, relationships, and mm. all of that. I'm still, but I am deliberately and intentionally doing it because 
I want to change it. I'm aware of it. Mm -hmm. I acknowledge it. I accept it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I'm doing something about it. But I really don't look back and say, I wish it didn't happen. No. No, I wouldn't. I mean, it's I'm amazing. Just, I remember when I was depressed in 2016. That's what led to Joy Inc. And I I couldn't... I'm like, who have I... What, what did I do? Why is God punishing me? This was a terrible time. Like, there's no minimizing the intensity of the experience and of the pain. It's hard to explain. It's hard to explain. Words, words can't really capture. Yes. You know, how do you want to explain, explain that? this. Like, you are sinking on the inside. Like, how do you want to explain that? that. I, I, I want to move, but I can't move. You can't. Like, people can't understand because everything... You look okay. Move. I, 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 I go to the point that they used to call me like, I'm so sluggish. I'm so sluggish. I'm so like... I think it's to argue. Yes, because really bring me down, but I'm yeah, like, how do I explain understand. that I don't know what it is that is weighing me down? Yes, yes. I can't move. And still, I look back and I'm like, I wouldn't have changed one thing. When I tell people that, you know, I came out of the, you know, this thing that evangelicals call being born again. <laughs> I came out of my depression thinking, I'm, I've been born again. And that's what it is. That's what it is. Because, I mean, that's what it is. Everything changes. Everything changes. You who you are, the way you see the world, for me, it's I like, swear. I, I don't know what to call it, like an epiphany. It's, it's just, you're just a, like some people mm. meeting now who are like maybe my bunk mates in uni or something, they're like, I don't know this how I don't know this person. Like, who are you? And I'm I like, swear. yeah, I know. I mean, if you knew me six months ago, trust me, you would need me to reintroduce myself because what it did to me is kind of, I cannot be undone. Mm. You know, I cannot unsee the things, I cannot unfeel the things that yes. I felt. Yes. And it creates a lot of perspective to life. To life, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. That's remarkable. And so, what are the plans now for Shirai mm. Tumor? For me, it's, I mean, I look at mental health and I know we need awareness. There's a place for awareness. Mm -hmm. I'm about solutions. Mm -hmm. I'm always about solutions. I look at people's problems and like, what are the ways we can address their problems mm -hmm. with? Little effort on their part, you know? So I'm always thinking solutions. Where, when, how, where, where do we need to go? Mm -hmm. Where do we need to go to? Solutions, solutions, solutions. And she writes to me is beautiful. Three purpose, love, hope, support. Love, hope, support. So I want to show you that it's okay. It's okay. You deserve to be loved. You deserve to be understood. You should be understood. And above all, I mean, it sounds like people should do these things to you, but I think you need to love yourself, you know, through it all. So that's the love. The hope is that you can, whether you feel like you, all you want to do is just to live a productive life with it, that's fine. Yeah. You, it is you possible. Can. I just want to show you possibilities with hope. You know, that's what it is. Just to stretch. So you don't think that this is all my life is going to be, this is all what I'm doing. No, it's okay. Just take it one day at a time. There are lots of possibilities for so many of us who yeah, have gone through it. Yeah, you know, it could have course. turned out in turn different out. ways. So those are possibilities that I want to open up people to. And then support like solutions. Where can we plug the existing mental health ecosystem in Nigeria? Where can we plug things in in order to bring the system together? You know, you go see a doctor, you take medications, you do therapy. You don't have a family to talk to, you don't yeah. have friends to talk oh, yeah. to, so the support group is there for you. Yes, it's yes. there for you to go in and cry and say, Get my job and just come and there, yes. and and everybody already. I was talking to my an ex girlfriend who's my best friend, and I said, It was all about you know, at, at work. And I said, I said, Is your work taken from you? Mm. And she said, you know, I'm really grateful for the job. You know, it's, 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 you know, it's so many opportunities. I said, that's fine. That's fine. But is the job taken from you? 
I don't need you to deny all the good stuff. The mm -hmm. I need you to accept the bad stuff. And then she began to cry. Yeah. Just that the fact that somebody who loved her understood that's it. Was, it was enough. Was, was enough like to just it's, it's cope. Amazing. Yes. It's amazing. It's amazing how we take love for granted. And I still feel I'm like, like it's the most powerful. It's, but you know, the Harvard Grant, the Harvard Grant study, how many years studying all these men for 70 years says the one thing that is responsible for people living happy lives and living long and healthy lives is love. Like, what are we even talking about? This is research based. I want to knock some people off. I want to snap <laughs> them. And it's the love. It is still the strongest force in the world. It's the always, always, pure undiluted. Give it to the person. No expectations. No anything. Just, just give it. Just be yourself and just give it. You know? I don't know why we have to explain this thing to people yeah. that have mothers. Yeah. Like if you have a mother, you should already understand how powerful love is. <laughs> you if you have know? a wife, it's anyway. So right, so that's where you are. So you're focused on solutions, solutions, and of course, there's information on your website for people who want to join this. And then you have a course on your website for people who want to yes. learn how to handle their, you know. Uh, I have a toll-free line, which Joy Inc. is, I mean, it's full to capacity now. So I'm committing myself publicly, finding out how to get <laughs> that toll-free line Absolutely. to have more people. You all hear that? <laughs> you know, if you are listening to a podcast and you work in any of the tele telcos or you're running a call center, please, please. Don't just don't wait for us to reach Don't wait. Just send to us. You know, we'll talk yeah. about this story. When, we, you know, I mean, one of the reasons, one of the things I was excited about when I met you was just the the, the power, and I don't want to say passion, to completely transform mm. the way that we see mental and emotional health. You know, and I just want to see a future mm. where we talk about, you know, just these beginnings and how we transform the way people sort their own minds Absolutely. and their own hearts. I can imagine what the conversations are going to be. I can, I can imagine. I can, and I look forward to that. We, we, have to, we have to do this. Thank you so much, Howard. Thank you. I love this. I love this. I think we're going to do this again. That has been Hawa Ojaifo, founder of She Writes Woman and also recipient of the Queen's Young Leaders Award 28. That is the Queen of England. Not the Queen of Zamunda. Not the Queen of Zamunda. <laughs> For incredible work helping Nigerians, Africans, especially young women, gain control of your emotional and mental health. She writes, she writes Woman is one of the five charities that Joy Inc. invests its profits in. They include the Mentally Aware Foundation, the Hearts of Gold Space, and two other not-for-profits that we're unveiling before the end of the year. Join me next week on the same podcast. My name is Chude Jidong. <laughs>